cliffcentral.com. The good news is that it's us, it's not Gareth, but it's also the infamous Jean-Jacques Corniche. Of course, it's time to catch up with JJ Cornish for African Analysis, which is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. And obviously, this is looking at what's happening around the African continent. And I said this a little bit earlier. Every time we speak to JJ, I realize how little we actually know about the continent. Good morning, mm. JJ Gornish. Welcome to the Gerrit Show. How are you doing morning, today? Good morning, JJ. Bonjour. Uh-huh. Nice to speak to you. You know the way to get that man back and to ensure mm. that he listens to you all the time is to ban him. Say, you are banned <laughs> from watching the show. You'll never ever, you'll need a block and tackle to get rid of him after that. I, I did that before and it's worked. But uh, it's very nice to speak to you. (laughs) Yeah. JJ, let's get to talk to you about the peace mission. Yes, please. We need to know what happened, what went down. It seemed like it was just one big mess. Well, you know, it was one big mess because the journalists were locked on the plane. And Mm. they had expenses now to explain to their bosses. So they had to dismiss it as a mess. As Mm. for the opposition, well, uh, the peace mission followed an opposition visit there. So if they're going to look at the cost, who picked up the tab for the uh, DA leader to go? The thing about these things, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm perhaps old school. I know who Treat Williams was. That's how old I am. But the thing is, if you... Uh, it's better to have them happen than not to happen. I keep saying that about the United Nations. What the hell is the UN doing? People say, what the hell are they doing? I always say it is better to have them there than not to have them. I think that Mm. peace mission, it's the first of uh, an uh, African peace mission off the continent, and it's very interesting that it happened. I'm sorry that three of the leaders decided not to go. Certainly, uh, Denis Sassou and Gressel from the Republic of Congo was too scared to go. Uh, I don't mm. know where, where the Egyptian leader was and uh, and the other, oh, uh, the Ugandan. Well, he had things at home uh, that uh, obviously, uh, the, fortuitously, he was at home for that terrible massacre. The point is, no time, and the Chinese have been, the uh, Europeans have been, the Turks have been. No time would you ever expect a mediation group to go in mm. when there's a war and both sides say, God, we're glad you came. We're going to stop this war. It doesn't happen that way. You know, mediation is a long, long thing. It's all about listening, listening carefully to both sides. And when you go there and lay eyes on the people and listen, then I think you start to make some progress. And I'm pleased that we went. I really am. I didn't for a moment, and I don't think any of the people who went expected to get some kind of progress or some kind of tangible success. But they were went, and they listened to both sides. Very interestingly, uh, the Ukrainian leader said, ask him to release prisoners of war and ask him to release the children from orphanages. And actually, Cyril Ramaphosa did that so you know they Mm. were listening and that is the important thing so you would say then the trip was a a success and it wasn't for nothing because from what it looks like it kind of looks like it was just messy and unnecessary well the messiness was about uh, Warsaw and I don't know why the Poles responded that way any plane Mm. arriving with presidents is going to have weapons to protect those presidents Uh, Mm. the, the only time I ever knew that there wasn't permission asked 
and I'm sure that they did because that's pro forma, was when Muammar Gaddafi came to the non-aligned summit in Durban. He brought a plane load of stuff, I suppose. I don't know if they were intercontinental ballistic missiles, but heavy-duty stuff, and they, they weren't allowed off the plane, the, the, yeah. the uh, weapons. But why they didn't let the journalists off and so on it was a little bit uncool on their part. But nevertheless, yeah. uh, you know, whether they, they, whether they were trying to make the, the message, you know, you should, you should be more uh, sympathetic to the Ukraine, and so we're going to wave our fists. I don't know. These East Europeans are difficult to understand. And, and that's what we were dealing with, East Europeans on both sides. I think yeah. it was worth going. And yes. Sorry, you mentioned that, um, you know, the point of these mediation missions is to listen and to and to not necessarily try to stop the war, but to go in there and be like a neutral party listening. Um, do does South Africa have any official stance on this? Like, are they pro any particular side or anti any particular side? Or is it simply a case of going in there and saying, look, let's do whatever well, we well, can to de-escalate well, on I both hope sides? Does South Africa apart, have an allegiance? Yeah. The point is, they are seen. They are seen as being pro-Russia. Now, I don't know if that is the case. They are non-aligned in the classical sense. You know, I've been covering the United mm-hmm. Nations since the 70s. And the non-aligned movement was there to step in between the Soviet bloc and the Western bloc. And to say we don't we don't buy into either of your uh, uh, agenda. We are non-aligned, and that's what we are, and that's what the Africans are doing at the moment. Some of them are voting, and and I have to say I'm sad that we haven't voted to condemn the invasion of Ukraine and the uh, atrocities that are happening there. I'm very sad. I think we should have because during the apartheid era, we simply expected people to condemn what the apartheid regime was doing. And if they didn't and they made excuses, uh, we would never have accepted that. But that, So their stance is classically non-aligned. And that is something that, uh, that they jealously guard. Fine. Mm. JJ, so in Uganda, there was obviously the school massacre um, that took place and there's been a number of um, arrests. I know there were 42 deaths, um, eight people were injured and it seems like the parents are angered or enraged rather at the lack of security. What is the update of um, Uganda right now? The arrests have gone up to at least 20, and the principal of the school is one of those arrested for colluding with ISIS. Now, this is a terrible business. The deaths include 37 or, or is it 39 pupils and then some oh. others. But uh, it, it's, it's absolutely shocking. And Yoweri Museveni is, looks very silly in this. The, the security is absolutely parlous. And the, you see the angry p- parents are saying, where was the security? But they're burying mm. their children now. So it's very, very, very sad what is happening there. And so uh, the principal uh, is you know, one of uh, the people in, arrested. Yeah. Indeed. Ah, Ken, one of the know people, people arrested for colluding with ISIS. So the principal of the well, school uh, you know, none of the to ac- enable, yes. allegedly, well, There's no charges that have been led in court. Yes, indeed. That's what the arrest is. Colluding with them. Colluding with them. So it's, you know, if that happens, it's going to be absolutely shocking. The point is, though, Mm. none of the actual perps, none of the perpetrators have been arrested yet. So, I mean, we wait for that. And, and you can imagine, Yaweri Museveni, when he's embarrassed, uh, uh, likes to, 
likes to jangle at cell keys, you know. I mean, he do, he's done that to all his opponents. So clearly they're going to step in and be seen to be doing something. Uh, maybe maybe the principle, I don't know, and I, I don't want to speculate on it, but the, yeah. maybe the principle was simply not tough enough or didn't see it coming or, you know, we don't know. So let's wait to see what happens in court. And in Uganda, too, we're going to have to look very carefully what indeed uh, the, the, they can do about this. But it's it's an absolute yeah. tragedy. It's an absolute disaster. 40 people killed by ISIS. And the fact that these jihadis are able to roam around that part of Uganda. Uh, it took mm. 90 minutes to per- perpetrate this massacre. People across the road said they'd heard gospel singing and then screams and shouts. They were sh- killed with machetes, shot burned it was absolute an absolute horror story jeez louise no that is that is horrible something else that's also horrible is the sudanese war that is just so ongoing it seems like the un boss has finally chimed in and has said that the sudanese deserves as much support as ukrainians um to end their war what is the update there jj well you know labang I'm really praying for the day where we talk about something else, where we don't put mm. a Sudanese piece into our into our crossing. The fact is, though, they they're calling for the United Nations is calling for two and a half billion uh, to to help in Sudan. One point seven million people have been displaced. Five hundred thousand mm. have gone into the seven neighbouring states, none of whom can really afford to take that number of refugees. Now they're having this in Geneva, this donor conference. At least I'm hearing today that 1.6 of the 2.5 billion has been pledged. It's not yet in the hands of the people who can give that aid in in, uh, Sudan. But um, Antonio Guterres, who's a colorful character and uh, lends himself occasionally to hyperbole, is saying that uh, Darfur becoming of genocide as it was when the fighting first started there. He's talking about an unprecedented descent into destruction, unless that stops. Mm. And one cold comfort is the fact that the 72-hour ceasefire, which ends today, seems to be holding. And that's the first time of, of at least 10 ceasefires that it is held for the time allotted. Sure. So much is happening in Africa. Like everything is just so much all the time. And if it weren't for you, JJ Cornish, we would not have a cooking clue of what's going on. African analysis is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. Thank you, JJ. We'll catch up JJ, with you. Very sorry to interrupt, soon. but I just want to uh, pick JJ's brain. Can you give us, can you give us a piece of good news for Africa? Some development <laughs> that's recent. No, I'm not, I'm Anything. not kidding. Like, yeah. yeah. You, what's happened since we, since we, the show spoke to you last that, uh, that you, that you're feeling optimistic about? Pleased to hear. Well, I, I have to say nothing springs immediately to mind, but there are, there are certainly, uh, uh, pieces of good news all around the place, you know, but one looks for them. I have to say, to be fair, Gord, that, uh, you know, I, I haven't, I have nothing that springs immediately to mind. Although I, I, I do believe that the efforts and the fact that we've got together to go on that peace mission is something that we can be encouraged by. And hopefully something will grow from that. And our influence uh, internationally will be taken more seriously because uh, whatever whatever the um, 
critical media is saying, we went there, we spoke to both sides, we did what mediators, what the Chinese, what the Turks, what the others have done, and uh, we've disported ourselves uh, uh, well. So that's probably good news for it, as far as I can see it. Thanks, Some JJ. That's on a more optimistic note. I, I'm <laughs> going to take that. I'm taking the good news. Thank you so much, I'm JJ. officially pro-delegation now. <laughs> That's what it took. JJ, we'll see you very soon. African Analysis with JJ Cornish is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. Cliffcentral.com.